0: Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Church Was Never Like This continues in this week's message titled Racial Reconciliation. Pastor Ben Pitney is going to speak from Acts chapter 17. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. You know, I uh, I really wrestled this week on uh, what actually what my message should be. The message should be. I man, I wrestled, and you know there's a there's a few times, and I don't I don't mind saying it, it's okay. It's just kind of what I kind of roll through uh, periodically. But I've changed my message at the last minute. I mean, dozens of times, just the night before um, because of maybe how things unfold in our culture or just for reasons, you know, just other reasons where I just feel unsettled about what I landed on. But man, this week, oh, I've really wrestled. And it's been kind of amazing over this last couple of months. I'll be focused on something and try to plan through it and plan ahead and study and kind of get ready. And then in just like the next day, everything just changes in our world. And I feel like I'm, I can't do it because it would appear that I'm out of touch, right? And so things are changing so quickly. It's amazing in our culture, in our world, in our nation. But because of just this, the nature of turmoil that our country is going through, I think that's what sort of disturbed me this week the most, and I... I'm trying really hard to be very careful. I don't want to wield opinion and things like that. I'm trying really hard not to do that. My goal is always to draw the truth out of the text and present it in a way to where we can say, okay, then what does this have to do with me? So my sweet spot as a pastor, the way I'm gifted, I really like to teach through passages or whole books. Uh, that way, and, and, and make sure that we put things in context, and so, but in circumstances like this it 's really hard to do. One of the things that I wrestle with is i, I don't wanna, i don 't want to find scriptures to apply to my thinking. Does that make sense? I just feel like that 's a really lousy way to teach, and I think that happens a lot i don 't want to come up with great ideas and good thinking and and um, uh, and then a, find passages of scriptures that support it, that just really turns me inside out to do that. So I'd rather draw the truth out of a a passage of text and then say, what does this have to do with me? Well, regarding this issue of racial reconciliation or striving for racial harmony and the issues of racism in our country and, and the nature of all of this going on right now, it's not an easy subject to address that way. But I was drawn back to Acts chapter 17. If you want to take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 17, you'll find that if you've been at Vail Christian Church for a while, that this is a familiar passage that we started a long time ago uh, teaching through before we opened up the book of or the letter to the church in Thessalonia in Thessalonica. And you find the context of what I'm going to draw from in uh, Paul's missionary journey there, where he, he came with Silas to Thessalonica, and um, he had this habit of going to the synagogue and preaching, preaching Jesus. And um, so that's where you see in Acts chapter 17, he preaches Jesus, and people come to Christ. And it's, uh, we, we found when we were going through this book and kind of putting, the, putting it in context, you found that what Paul, it, it seemed as though he was somewhat surprised at who came to Christ and how they came to Christ, who was listening and paying attention. So in in particular, he found some prominent businesswomen in Thessalonica come to Christ and receive the message, and others, and and I, I think it sort of surprised him who did and who didn't come to Jesus a little bit, but I think that's the way God works. And then what happened was the Jewish establishment, sort of the church Orthodox leaders, they got really fired up and upset at his message. I, they thought he was bringing some sort of cultic message, and it was destroying their old way of life and thinking, and so they were really upset with Paul about this, and they actually created or paid some rioters and uh, to create some upheaval, and basically, uh um, started persecuting those believers. we know Jason and his family and other brothers and sisters who've come to Christ. And they, and they, 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 they were successful at running Paul out of town. So Paul uh, journeyed then down to Berea, 45 miles, and he just did the same thing. He went to the synagogue and started preaching Jesus. And there people were even more receptive. I think what happened was what he thought was gonna happen. And people... Gave their lives to Christ. People were really receptive. But when the the Jewish um, authorities in Thessalonica, when they found out he was down there doing the same thing, then they they sent these people down there and and they uh, kind of created this riotous sort of environment again. And uh, they persecuted the believers and they ran Paul out of there. So so it says that the brothers. Uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ, they said, you got to get out of here, Paul. And so Paul goes to Athens. And then when Paul gets to Athens, right, he sends back for some of the, uh, his guys, but while he's waiting, he's like, wow. He looks around, and you know what he sees? He sees ethnic pride. He virtually sees, he, he basically sees racism and prejudice And he says, these people are worshiping idols, and these are smart folks. And they see, they have this sort of form of being religious. And so he says, you guys need Jesus. And he just starts preaching Jesus to these folks in Athens while he's waiting for Silas to come help him and kind of get things going here. And so that's the scene in Acts chapter 17. So the more I think about What's going on in our nation and in our world? I mean, it's disturbing. I know that you're disturbed as well. And I feel like you know what, what we need to offer uh, as the church, we, I, I need to offer, you know, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to navigate in this world? And it's really difficult, isn't it, to know what is right lately? I mean, watching the news, reading the news, scrolling through various forms of social media, man, it is hard to know who's right, who's wrong, what's truth and what's not, isn't it? It's more difficult than ever. And I think because of that, Christ followers and the church, the household of faith, we have to gather our discernment from the truth of God's word or you're not going to be able to navigate correctly in the world that we live in. And we have a mission and a mandate, but we need biblical truth and foundation in order to navigate this world. Otherwise, you're just kind of spinning your wheels, and I think you will find yourself supporting things you probably shouldn't support, not supporting things maybe you should. You're, you're, you're not gonna know. You're not gonna have the discernment to know what we should do. And, and, and believe me, I don't think it's easy. But I do believe that the more you immerse yourself in God's word, that the truth presents itself in such a way that then the wisdom of God and his discernment will be yours discernment. And this is what I want to do today. I want to help you with this. And I'm going to share basically six biblical truths that create a foundation for the way we should think in the middle of all this upheaval culturally that is happening in our society right now. So I'm eternally thankful and grateful that God gives us his word to guide us and give us direction on what to do. And that's where we need to go. So your Bible should not just be this thing that uh, you... um, look to occasionally it's got to be the center of who you are as a christ follower it's got to be god's word has to be hidden in our hearts so i want to motivate you this way okay so to that end let's lay out these biblical truths or foundations to work from because the time is ripe if it's not now i don't know when it is if the time is ripe for the church to have clear message and answer to all this upheaval and how we should navigate. And I believe there is answers. I believe there is. And can I say this gently and carefully? I tried my best to look through the scriptures today and draw the truth out of the text using Acts 17 and other places and say, okay, a lot of people are, marching and protesting and doing all these things. And and a certain amount of it I'm actually really good with. But I want to know what matters to God. That's what I want to know. What is it that matters to God? Let's look together. Here's my first point. God made all ethnic groups from one human ancestor. And I want to draw this truth out. So in Acts chapter 17, you get to this place where Paul is speaking to, these, to this group or this council of Athenians, all right? And here's some of the things that he has to say regarding head-on he's facing racism. He says in Acts 17 verse 26... And you should look at this for yourself. These are verses you should underline. He says, "From one man, he, or that is God, made every nation." The word nation there is pan ethnos. It equals every ethnic group. Every ethnic group. That's every nation. That's pan ethnos. He made every ethnic group or every nation of the human race to inhabit the entire, all the earth, determining their set times and fixed limits of the places where they would live. So I want you to notice two things right here. They're really simple, actually. God is, number one, or A, God is the maker of ethnic groups. God is. Ethnic groups are God's idea. So he's the maker, the designer of ethnic groups. God made from one every nation. Ethnic groups do not just come about by random genetic change. That's not it. They come about by God's design and purpose. The text says plainly, God made every ethnos. It's all God's idea. Now. Here's the second thing. God made all ethnic groups from one human ancestor. He's talking about Adam here. So Paul says, from one man, he, God, made every ethnos. So this has a special punch to it. When you read through the story through Acts chapter 17, it has a real punch to it when you dwell on why he chose, this is Paul, to say say this to these Athenians on Areopagus, the side of this hill amongst this group of council of wise Athenians, all right? Here's, here's what he's doing. The Athenians were fond of boasting that they were autochthonous. Autochthonous, that means this. They were really proud of being autochthonous, which means they came from their native soil. They're really proud of that, or... And, and it's an, an origin of indigenous inhabitants. In other words, this is what they are proud of, that they were not immigrants from some other place or people group. You see? They're really proud of, no, we're in the indigenous people. We are autochthonous. We're not a conglomeration of or a multi-melting pot of ethnic groups. We come from the soil here. And so they had an arrogant pride about them. And that Paul, like, immediately recognized. And this is part of the reason why he says, my goodness, you guys need Jesus so bad, right? Paul chooses to confront this ethnic pride head on. And it's interesting, how does he do it? He says, God made all the ethnic groups, people. He made Athenians and barbarians he made them out of one common stock. So you Athenians are cut from the same cloth as the despised barbarians and Scythians. And amazingly, some people rejected and said, you're nuts. But lots embraced actually this, and they said, well, we'll listen to more. We'll listen to more of what you got to say. So that's this first point at foundation. Now, it's going to continue to connect so i want to go into the second point all members of every ethnic group are made in the image of god so you got to go to genesis chapter 1 verse 27 for this where god creates us right and it says in 127 it says god created humankind in his own image really important own image his own image he created humankind In his own image, the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is really foundational stuff, and and not many would um, disagree with that within the church, but here you go. When you put the teaching then of Genesis 1, that God created the first human in his image, Together with the teaching of Acts 17, 26, that God made all ethnic groups from the first ancestor, what emerges is that all members of all ethnic groups are made in the image of God. This is really, really key and really foundational. All members of all ethnic groups are made in the image of God, so... No matter the skin color or facial features or hair texture or other genetic traits, every human being in every ethnic group has an immortal soul grounded in the image of God. Think about this. That means everyone... Has a mind with unique godlike reasoning powers, a heart with capacities for moral judgments and spiritual affections, and a potential for a relationship with God that sets every person utterly apart from all the animals that God had made. So we're not like the animals. In any way that we are set apart distinct on purpose by design by God. Every human being, no matter color, shape, age, gender, intelligence, health, social class is made in the image of God. That is as foundational as it gets. Now, let's keep going. Let's go on to the next point. Number three, being a person in the image of God determines the significance of who you are. Now, this is key, and this is profound, maybe the most profound thing. If you don't get anything else today, focus here. In other words, this point in this thinking, when you draw the truth all out and you recognize, or you begin to see the implications, see, in other words, the color of our skin and ethnicity, They have a place, but not as the main glory and the main phenomenon and wonder of our identity as human beings. I believe this is as profound as it gets right here. The primary glory of who we are is what unites us in our God-like humanity, not what differentiates us in our ethnicities. you got to let that sit on you just for a minute because this is the most fundamental reason why, and and I want to be careful here because I am injecting some, I guess, opinion here. It's almost impossible, but think about this for a minute. Because I think the most fundamental reason why programs of diversity training, and I feel like I know more maybe about diversity training than some because my wife has been this hr executive for so much of her career and so she's a part of doing this diversity training throughout all kinds of businesses all the time diversity training it's such a big part of our culture but i believe why it usually backfires in the attempt to foster mutual respect amongst ethnic groups here's the reason because In diversity training, basically what you're doing, and our universities are doing this, and lots of people, lots of entities are doing this, they focus major attention on what is comparatively minor and virtually no attention on what is infinitely major and glorious, our common, unique standing among all creation as persons created in the image of God. Think about that for a minute. You see, that's the answer to all this mess. We have to teach our young people that our personhood in the image of God is to be valued more than our ethnic distinction. Let's go on because I will totally say too much. <laughs> Look at number four. It is God's purpose and command that we make disciples for Jesus Christ from every ethnic group in the world without distinction. That's the next point. Here you go. you ready? Matthew 28. Maybe some of the most familiar verses to the Christ follower in the household of faith. Verse 18 and 20 says, Then Jesus came up and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and only God the Father can do that, and he's given it to me. Therefore, or so, because of this, I got the authority. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. This is right from Jesus. And when you swear allegiance to Jesus as king, he says, this is your mission. Here you go. You ready? Go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Make disciples of all nations. That is every ethnic group, ethnos, every ethnic group. It's the same phrase in Acts 17, 26, where it says, from one man, he, or God, made every nation, every ethnic group, right? Just as all ethnic groups are created in the image of God, so God aims, God's focus, God's. What matters to God, can I say it like that, is that We are to redeem people from every ethnic group. Being in God's image doesn't mean that we're saved. We are all distorted by sin, every last one of us. And if you can't see that now, you're not paying attention. We're all distorted by sin. This world is fallen and and being destroyed by sin. And so there's a tremendous amount of distortion. That's what makes it so hard to navigate in. So because of that distortion, the unique ways that we were created to reflect the glory and the worth of God have been largely ruined. So God has sent us his son, Jesus, into the world to die for us so that we might believe in him and be forgiven and cleansed and restored and become trophies of grace. Let's keep going. Number five, all believers in Jesus of every ethnic group are united to each other in common humanity, the image of God and members of the same body or the household of faith, the church, the family of families, the body of Christ, right? Supported through, look, here we go, Romans 12, four and five, this is Paul teaching again. It's magnificent here, he says, for just as, In one body, we have many members, right? Hands, feet, neck, head, all these things. And not all members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members who belong to one another. So we belong to one another. You cannot get away from it. That's why you can't have church outside of church like have you ever had anybody say to you oh i'm just i'm having church in the mountains today i'm like okay i mean you're having a great time in nature and you can worship god and and all those kinds of things but there is nothing can replace the household of faith it is god's brilliant design given to us and we are members of uh one another and each of us has been and, and, and when you when you Surrender your life to Christ, and when you swear allegiance to the king, he installs in you through the Holy Spirit of God this transformation that takes place here, and this is where he dwells, and all of you have a spiritual gift then, and that gift is not for you. It is for the body of Christ. It's not yours to hold on to and to be proud of. It is then for others now, now. Let me see this, so the body of Christ then has a black hand and a white wrist and a yellow arm and a red shoulder, and the white wrist can't say to the black hand, I have no need for you. And Paul goes on and on through 1 Corinthians 12, teaching all about this, and the yellow arm can't say to the red shoulder, because I'm not a shoulder, I'm not a part of the body, you see? Can't do it. Because this defies god 's brilliant multicolored design now let 's look at the other image and it, it'll it'll continue to connect and it just gets richer because the other image besides one body is one family or one household of faith, one family of families first John three: one oh, John is so brilliant and sensitive and wise and He says, see what sort of love the Father has given to us. (laughs) Just look at the love that God has given us. That we should be called God's children, and indeed we are. For this reason, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know Him. Now think about this. In other words, if our identity as human persons created in the image of God is greater than all ethnic distinctives, that's back to point number three, right? Being a person in the image of God determines the significance of who we are. Then our identity as reborn children of God is even greater still than all the ethnic differences. Let me, let me just say it again. Focus for a minute. If our identity as human persons created in the image of God is greater than all the ethnic distinctives that are out there, then our identity as a reborn child of God is even greater still than all the ethnic differences. Let me put it even plainer. The glory of our family likeness in the household of faith, all that glory in Christ is much greater than our ethnic differences. It's like the ocean is greater than a cup of water. And that's how, this, that's how profound it is. The ocean is greater than a cup of water. Think about how vast the ocean is. It's truly a great truth that I think we saw earlier, right, in the first four truths that we pulled out here, that we are more united by our humanity than separated by our ethnicity. But it's even a greater truth that in Christ we have unity upon unity. On top of a common human personhood in the image of God, we have a common redeemed personhood in the image of Christ. And how much less are we to be divided by our ethnic differences? It it just has actually no place. Colossians 3.11, so we've been studying this book, right? This church in Colossae, and Paul wasn't even there. He received word back, and he says in chapter Three Verse 11 he says Here there is neither Greek nor Jew Circumcised or uncircumcised Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free But Christ is all in all Christ is all in all You see Now We're going to Get to number 6 And number 6 is going to be like What? Where does this come in? It does I don 't think that we struggle with this issue very much anymore in our culture. I think we used to forty, fifty years ago. So bringing up, the Bible forbids intermarriage between believer and unbeliever, not between members of different ethnic groups. Now, so my grandparents might say, "Oh, I mean, they, I think they struggled with this, but I, I I don't think it's it's a struggle much anymore like it used to be, but let's just draw the truth out of the text here because I think there's something really valuable from looking at this issue about marrying different ethnic groups, mixing the races and, and, and things like that, right? And the intermarriage between believer and unbeliever, right? 1 Corinthians seven Let's just look at that verse really quick, and I think it'll make sense to you once we draw the truth out of the text. And why, why would you go here? It says, a wife is bound as long as her husband is living. In other words, when you're married, you're bound you're in this covenant. But if her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes. Now, there's a whole sermon a sermon in this, but we're not going there. But you have to look at what is in parentheses there. Only someone in the Lord. Only someone in the Lord is what is meant. Now, only someone in the Lord. See, the Bible directs us plainly not to marry unbelievers. Actually, you cannot argue that. It's really plain, and we all want to think that it's uh, you know, possible for, and anything is possible. But what God wants is believers not to marry unbelievers, those that don't believe. If we are already married to an unbeliever, we are to stay married. And, and like I said, First Corinthians 7 and 1 Peter 3, all those truths that are there. But if we are free to marry, we are to marry only one who shares our allegiances to Jesus. Remember, what God wants is us. Uh, Christ Father, he wants people to swear allegiance to the king, Jesus. That's where our allegiances lie. That's what matters to him, that our allegiances are to Jesus above all, right? Now, if that's what matters to God the Father, this is the main point of the Old Testament warnings about marrying those among pagan nations. For example, Deuteronomy 7. Look at Deuteronomy 7 because you can go back. Deuteronomy 7, verses 3 and 4, it says, God says, you must not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from me to worship other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will erupt against you and he will quickly destroy you. So, the issue, see, for God is not color mixing. That's not the issue. Or customs Mixing or clans mixing or tribal mixing, that's not the issue for God, not at all. The issue for God is, will there be one common allegiance to the true God in this marriage, or will there be divided affections? Because what does he want? He wants pure allegiance to the king, not divided affections so the prohibition of god's word is not against interracial marriage but against marriage between believer and unbeliever and this is exactly what we would expect if the great ground of our identity the foundation of our identity is not in our ethnic differences but our common humanity in the image of god our new human in our new humanity in the image of christ you see what is important and what matters to God, not our ethnicity, not our not our ethnicity, you see that that's like that's not that, that, that's not it at all, not the color of our skin D- doesn't even matter to God when I was in um late high school, early college years, you know, there was a, real, he's, he's still out there, he's pretty, he's a little controversial now, but he was a creation evolution, uh, he was a creation research teacher, and so he was de- dealing with creation and evolution and all these things, anyway, his name is Ken Ham, he writes some pretty decent books, and He's, uh, he's, he's got some really great thinking, but uh, one of the things I remember that kind of struck me is he said, you know, if you just melted us all together across the globe, our colors of our skin pigment, if you took all the pigment of our skins together, we would, and you just mixed it all up, I mean, what color would you come up with? And he said, he said, it would be what I would call middle brown. We'd be all kind of middle brown color. What's this got to do with me? Because that's where we're headed, right? That's what we need to know. What's it got to do with me then? What are you getting at? We should be known as a church that loves racial harmony because we love the gospel and we love to strive to be known as a church with the gospel at its center. The gospel's all about Jesus and his message. Paul addressed things head on by just preaching Jesus, teaching Jesus. We should revere the glory of God and the person of Christ that reflects God's multicolored wisdom. Wisdom because he is faithful and sovereign in his design. He didn't design us differently so that we might fuss over our ethnicities and colors of our skin. Because where racial harmony doesn't flourish, the cross of Christ is dishonored and the sovereignty of God is veiled and covered up and hidden and and go here with this look at this quote the glory of our family likenesses in Christ is much greater than our ethnic differences just as the ocean is greater than a cup of water you see Isn't that the message that the world needs right now? (laughs) We're gonna go fussing over this, and could we glory in our, you see, if the church could just communicate this, if we could model this, because I don't know if you're gonna tell anybody, I think you have to model it. We have to model that our family likenesses in Christ is so much greater than our ethnic differences. That's what matters to God. That seems to be, when you draw the truth out of the text, that's what matters to God, is the family likeness in Christ. That I mean, I, I don't know how else to say that. You see, if we can model that, it solves all these issues, doesn't it? If we could get your arms around that. So, So, all right, against the rising spirit of indifference and alienation and divisiveness and hostility and violence in our nation, if you're a Christ follower, if you're the household of faith, if you're veiled Christian Church, then what matters to God? What matters to God is that we embrace the supremacy of God's love and take new steps personally and corporately towards racial reconciliation. And I'm just going to lay it out practically like this. This is what it looks like. It's actually pretty simple. you got to start right here in your own heart. Number one, let's cast out every belittling and unloving thought from your mind, right here. Where does your mind go? How do you think? Because the way we should think is like God thinks. Or let's put every word, tone, ridicule, or scorn out of our mouth. And that means Christ followers, I think, should be really careful what they post on social media, what you like, what you share, what you support, what you don't support, all that. I think you need to be really careful. I think Christ followers are set apart to be different. And I think, I think these, this is an era where you better be careful about all these different sides and all that kind of stuff because it is really hard to navigate, right? What's true, what's not, what's fake, what's real, what's actually, you know, be really careful. Put every word, tone, ridicule, or scorn out of your mouth. And you can use your mouth on social media just as easy as anything and not say a word. Let's go out of our way to show oneness with Christ followers of all ethnic backgrounds. So within the body of Christ, I think we gotta be really, really unified and show oneness. And that this is this isn't even something we have to like I guess be intentional necessarily about because it just is. It's just second nature. It's first nature. How about this? Let's be the salt and light in our hostile and fearful society. It's pretty hostile out there, it's pretty fearful, it's a big mess. We're supposed to be salt and light in the middle of this with courageous acts of kindness and respect. Acts of kindness and respect. Acts of kindness and respect. respect. And then let's look to Christ to be forgiven, cleansed, healed, and empowered to love because the glory of our family likeness in Christ is much greater than our ethnic differences. Like the ocean is greater than a cup of water. That's what matters to God. Thank you, Lord, for the moments that we can be together. We've got a lot to, to continue to learn and understand and know, and I certainly don't have a corner on wisdom and discernment. I think we're all doing our best. So now, Lord, help us to immerse ourselves in the truth so that the truth is what meets all this stuff head-on in our culture and our society. It's the truth that sets people free. And it seems to me, God, that we are focused on the wrong things most of the time. And we can get caught up in the household of faith as well. So help us to focus on the truth of what matters to you. You're the maker of all the ethnic groups. And we came from one human ancestor. And we're made in the image of you, Father. Help us to live like that and the glory and to feature of that because we know that that's what matters to you and most important to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Veil Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.failchhristian.com.